my wonderful friend, welcome to Fate FM Drive Time BQ&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible, and where we look at the world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I am Nick Krita, the South Australian Regional Coordinator for Faith FM, and I'm very happy to be with you today. Thank you for tuning in. It's our privilege always to welcome you to the program and inviting you to be part of this. And you can do that by sending us a text message with your thoughts, a question or a remark uh, in regard to the program which we are going to discuss. And you can do that on 04-888-808-11. Again, the number is 04-888-808-11. On the same number, I will come just a little bit later on with the offer we have for today, a wonderful book actually entitled A Pale Horse Rides. But we'll give you more details about that a little bit uh, later. The topic which we uh, approach uh, for the whole week, um, we are still in that series of uh, a couple of weeks, is Protestantism still needed in the third millennium? And uh, we talked about uh, some great people uh, during the time of Reformation. What crime saw John Knox that needed to go to the galley? Why did John Wesley preach on his father's grave? That was another question we asked. And how could a slave ship captain transform the slave trade? Probably you may think of who that person was. It's a beautiful song written also by him, which Christians sing uh, these days also, and a very well-known song. We may... um, uh, talk about that, but uh, that was uh, done with uh, uh, Pastor uh, Gary uh, talking about that. Now, the other day we talk about, did Protestantism make mistakes? And I believe, you know, we are humans and we are uh, under this condition of sin and people make mistakes, but the problem is if you are staying in those mistakes, if you are not, uh, uh, you know, turning around, and we talk about reformation, and we talk about revival during this series. And uh, today we are going to approach uh, a little bit more this aspect. After 500 years, is Protestantism still needed? You know, not long ago, we celebrated uh, 500 years since uh, Martin Luther. He nailed uh, uh, those um, well-known uh, theses, you know, uh, in, in Germany there. But I would like to say hello to uh, our co-host today, uh, Don Fulber, coming all the way from Western Australia via phone. Good afternoon, Nick and uh, listeners. Lovely to be with you again. It's good to have you with us, uh, Don, and uh, thank you for being part of this series and sharing with us, you know, lots of uh, wonderful uh, stories and testimonies about those great people uh, of the time of Reformation, because that's what we are um, talking a bit uh, uh, during this series. 
Well, I've enjoyed going through these stories once again myself. It's given me a real, it's been a real blessing for me. Mm, wonderful. Now, we have with us also here in the studio, uh, David Lima, uh, the Director of Family Voice Australia for South Australia and Northern Territory. David, good to have you with us too. Well, thank you so much, Nick and Don. It's good to be broadcasting with you both once again. Yes, thank you, David. Hey, um, just uh, before we are uh, going into that question, Don, which I just mentioned um, a bit earlier, uh, I want to just talk with David a little bit um, because last week, actually, I caught David a little bit by surprise uh, uh, asking a question, you know, in regard to prayer being uh, removed uh, in the parliament. Yes. And you have some more information now, David. Can you share with us? I do, Nick. Now, last week, one of the listeners sent in a text message in relation to prayer in Parliament. And I was scratching my head and I thought, I haven't heard anything about this. I jumped straight online uh, while we were broadcasting, in fact, to see if there'd been any development. And I couldn't see any. And you may recall, I said, Nick, well, if uh, any of the listeners have got any intelligence, then please let us know. Uh, Well, lo and behold, this week... What we've seen exactly is the President of the Senate, who is uh, from New South Wales, but representing the people of New South Wales there in the Parliament in Canberra, as the President of the Senate. This uh, lady President has said that she's an atheist and she does not wish to read the Lord's Prayer every day. Now, this has been a custom of the Parliament since its very inception back in 1901. So it's a very long-standing tradition. I'm hopeful that her personal views won't prevail. Why should they? Mm. Uh, She's not there to give her personal views. She's elected to represent the people of New South Wales. And if we can't give God his place in our culture and in our parliaments, then heaven help us. Mm. So I think a very strong argument can be made that we need to retain that custom of seeking God's blessing Uh, praying the prayer which our Lord taught us to pray. And more than that, it's a recognition of our frailty and of our dependency upon him. And it's also the case, Nick, that the the federal government did not mention this at all uh, prior to the election. So there's mm-hmm. absolutely no public mandate, no electoral mandate for this very, very significant change. So I'm hoping that it will be knocked on the head, so to speak. Nevertheless, uh, uh, we have been active at Family Voice in raising the issue and encouraging people to uh, contact the federal parliament and say, please do retain that important tradition of seeking God's wisdom and blessing for their work. Yes. Now, David, you mentioned a couple of times that word tradition. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that um, there are good traditions yes. and there are traditions which may take you away from the truth of the Bible, you know. Right. Now, in this case, never it's wrong mm. to pray Yeah, in any circumstances and uh, even more uh, When you run, you know, a country or uh, you hold those meetings, you know, mm. I think it's important. It's Absolutely. important to have prayer. Now, when a person comes with uh, personal views, as you just said, mm. uh, just because it's in a position mm. to, you know, to um, lobby for that, you yes. know, or to yes. influence, yes. to influence that sort of thing. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a quite a warning there and it's a worry. And uh, now, David, We talked for the last two weeks and, uh, I mean, including this week, but we have a week to go also 
on the reformation yes. Um, yes. process. That's right. And uh, happened a lots of things during those um, times. You know, it was after a long period of time of dark ages. Yes. When uh, the Bible was totally locked out, to Correct. say so. It was, Correct. And instead, uh, yes. instead we had the traditions of men. Correct. And Jesus warned very strongly about the traditions of men. Mm-hmm. Although when he used that phrase, we need to understand this carefully, he wasn't dismissing tradition full stop. Mm. He, was tradi- he, was, he was dealing with man-centered tradition. Now, uh, Jesus said that we should let our light shine so that men will see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. So that's not a man-centered ambition. That's a God-centered ambition. And there are some traditions which Jesus upheld which were created by people, Mm. but but they were created for the glory of God, such as the festival of Hanukkah or the festival Mm. of lights. It's not not found for us in the Old Testament, but Mm. it's a good idea celebrating God's liberation of his people in uh, the second century BC and Jesus kept the feast of Hanukkah. So we see there uh, a good example of a tradition which is a good one because it's not glorifying man, it's glorifying God. And when Jesus was asked by his disciples to teach them to pray, he established a tradition. Mm. And that tradition is called the Lord's Prayer. So it's a great yeah, idea. Absolutely right. And, uh, while you, you talked about, you know, our Lord Jesus Christ and, uh, he definitely, as you said, he approached the, uh, teachers of the law, those mm. people who are supposed to mm. uplift, you know, uphold the, yes. the, teachings of uh, mm. of the gospel you know of the law of god and so on and so forth uh, jesus actually said how well did you change mm. the law of god mm. in favor of your own exactly. tradition and that's exactly. the difference you know because god always wanted us to to know him mm. and uh, even at some point in time it was neither a written law for us to to be more you know connected or in in contact with God, God did that. Correct. And um, there are other things which, uh, as you said, there are good traditions even today. Now, just um, another thing, Don um, David and Don too. Also, if you have a comment, Don, please uh, jump in if if you like to say anything there. Oh, I was just going to say when it, when it comes to traditions. Like uh, David has mentioned, there's there's nothing wrong with tradition unless it conflicts with uh, what God has directed. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, Christmas, we know that that's a, uh, a tradition that has come down to us that we celebrated on December 25. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing in the Bible that says that Jesus was born December 25. Mm-hmm. But it is a biblical event. Jesus mm. was born, and so it's right and proper to remember it. And uh, and seeing there's nothing um, regarding December 25 that conflicts with anything that is specifically uh, commanded us or uh, in the Bible, I don't believe it is wrong uh, to remember Christmas on December 25 just because it is a tradition that has come down to us. Mm. 
Even, even because, as I said, it doesn't conflict with anything that God has said, but we are remembering a biblical event, and that's important. Correct. As long as we remember the biblical event, because I came from um, a traditional church, you know, Orthodox Church, which um, we had a lot of traditions yes. there. Now, sometime, even as you said, Christmas uh, was more about anything else than uh, to connect with God. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And as you you pointed out something and I don't want to stay too long on this aspect, maybe another, um, another program, but um, it's coincidental, or how you say that <laughs> in English, when um, some people choose some dates, you know, yeah. and it can, it can confuse some people. Now we know that Easter, for example, uh, you know, the, um, it's, it's a great festival, you know, which in the Bible we, uh, we learn about that, uh, but it's another pagan festival about uh, Ishtar. And yeah. uh, now in the New Testament and Jesus himself and the disciples, you know, Jesus told us how to celebrate that thing, if you like. It was kind of replaced. It's not the same. But anyhow, um, yeah, any mm. thoughts on uh, on that one? Because people can establish some traditions which may have a link with the Bible, but not doing justice you know, um, to to the teaching of the Bible through that festival. I mean, even Easter, as I said, it's it's more, or you mentioned Christmas, it's more commercial these days yeah. all over the world. The world, even in those countries which don't believe in God, they don't have anything yeah. to do with God or with Christianity. And Christmas still, it's a big thing. Now, that can divert the attention of people from the teaching of the Bible and go into the tradition of man mm-hmm. alright well leave it there uh, for now that but we, we may come back uh, another time w- what I would like to ask um, uh, both of you actually here but David maybe if you could um, if you could help us with uh, with that what I wanted to uh, to say uh, David was there ever a time when the church got everything correct no <laughs> okay, that's a very direct and short okay. answer. <laughs> Next question. Uh, okay. No, no, well, the, the church involves people, and wherever you've got people, you've got difficulties. Mm. Uh, so we see these tremendous tensions there in the New Testament. We see Paul and Barnabas having a terrible fallout, uh, going ballistic at each other. Mm. Uh, we see Paul rebuking Peter to his face, he says. Uh, Paul writing to the Galatians says to them, You foolish Galatians who's bewitched you. James, the Lord's brother, had sent people to come along and they had a Judaizing tendency and on and on it goes. So let's not kid ourselves here. Uh, the, the truth is that whenever there are people involved, we're going to have difficulties and we just need the Lord's leading and guiding to search the scriptures, to be led by his Holy Spirit mm. and guided into all truth. We, we yet to get there. And I was going to ask you another question. Probably there will be the same answer, very, <laughs> very straight answer. Uh, will the church ever get things right? Uh, not until the Lord definitively sorts things out at the end of all history. All right. <laughs> yes. Uh, any comments there, uh, Don? Yeah, no, very true what's been said. And I think that's why when we think of the church and its teachings, our focus need to be on Jesus. Mm. Because we we make mistakes. We let people down as human beings and as, and even as Christians. But Jesus never lets us down and will never let any of us down. And so 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, as it says there in Hebrews chapter 12. Yes, that, that's wonderful. Hey, just uh, another question. What were the main um, contribution of the Protestant Reformation and if they are needed today? Just very briefly, because we'll go to, to elaborate a little bit on yes, this. David. Yes. Well, there are many ways to answer that, and uh, we'll see where the discussion goes. But I think the, the key uh, outcome of the Reformation is the necessity for ongoing repentance. The church at the time was a proud and arrogant body of people, mm. and it was led by a corrupt group of people at the top. Uh, many of the ordinary people were humble and devout people, but they were very, very misled by false doctrines and by very wrong leadership. And uh, this is just widely acknowledged now. There's really no question about this. Yeah. Uh, uh, interestingly, in the book of Revelation, uh, we read that there are seven letters from the Lord, and Almost all of those churches are in trouble. Mm. And the key mm. word that comes through is repent. Yes. And now Martin Luther really gripped, gripped this very strongly. He knew that he needed to repent. And uh, since, the, since that time, we've had a very strong culture in the Protestant churches of repenting because we know that we're not uh, infallible. Mm. We, we know that we don't um, – we, we can't pretend that we've got all the answers to all the questions. Uh, we've got to be humble before the Lord. And as Don has pointed out, you know, the, the problems there in the New Testament and the problems throughout the church are because people have taken their focus off Jesus and they've put it onto people. Uh, and that's always a recipe for disaster. Now, uh, the, the, the proud man attracts the crowd to himself and the humble man points to Jesus. Uh, John mm-hmm. the Baptist said of Jesus, he must become greater I must become mm. less. Correct. So whenever we elevate man, and we do it all the time, and we've got to repent of this, but whenever we elevate man, we're always in trouble because we're covering up the face of Christ and we're replacing him with uh, with a human being, uh, and we absolutely need an ongoing culture of repentance in all of our churches to throw off this terrible, wicked approach in favor of one which elevates Christ. Oh, thank you for that, uh, David. Really well said. We are going to take a short break here, and uh, my dear friend listening today, uh, uh, we are uh, going to give you a free book, and it's called A Pale Horse Rides. Now, this is a wonderful uh, uh, book. Many people uh, know the story of the um, uh, Christianity unfolding, you know, in Europe over the course of many centuries. Many people also know that uh, the story of Martin Luther, as we mentioned quite a few times now in our programs, and we are going to talk a little bit more about that, um, launching that reform movement uh, in the beginning of the 16th century. And this book, A Pale Horse Rides, uh, you will, um, will need to have in, in your hands. Uh, you will meet people from the fringes of the empire, barbarians, who mysteriously converted and built their faith with nothing to go by but the the word of God, only the word of God. And that was uh, wonderful. You can have this book uh, in your hands free of charge, no obligation. You need to send us a text message with uh, the code SA60. 
four. And we thank you, all of those people who already um, requested this uh, book. I may come uh, a bit later on to some of the messages coming through uh, during the week. But right now, just a, a brief uh, break and we'll be back. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. And this is Faith FM Drive Time BQ&A with Nick Rita, Don Felberg from Western Australia. And in the studio with us is David Lima from Family Voice Australia. We are talking today about uh, after 500 years, is the Protestantism still needed? And that's the question which will uh, uh, unveil a little bit more uh, today. Now... Um, as I mentioned a bit earlier, we are just over 500 years of, uh, you know, from the celebration of the Protestant Reformation when Martin Luther nailed those uh, 95 theses on the door of the castle uh, church in the Wittenberg, Germany. Uh, it is true that some scholars are saying the division between Catholics and Protestants should never have happened. Any thoughts on that, uh, Don? Yes, I've got a couple of interesting statements here from the World Council of Churches publication from 2017 you may be interested in. It says, All agree that the present division among Christians is a scandal to the world and wounds the God-given unity of Christ's church. All Christians have a God-given responsibility to promote the restoration of full and visible unity among them. That's one statement, Nick. And then another one similar says, As the churches of the West mark the tragic divisive events of the 16th century in 2017, uh, they will find several documents that deal with this issue. But there, notice they referred to it as the tragic divisive events of the 16th century. So um, very interesting statements where uh, there, among many that have been made, that mm. the sad, some are saying that it's a sad thing what happened there in uh, in. 500 years ago with the Reformation. Um, Don, uh, while you said that, can you please remind our listeners also uh, what was the reason for the protest? Well, teachings were being taught that Jesus and Peter and Paul knew nothing about. And just quickly to give you some uh, some of the examples, indulgences, in other words, uh, getting out of punishment for your sin by being able to pay money to the church. That's really what indulgence is. And uh, they were being sold to the people. They were being told that they could, if they bought these, they would be able to get their loved ones out of uh, purgatory or hell. Mm. Um, another issue was the worshipping of idols, which the second commandment forbids. Uh, confession to a priest. Um, rather than uh, confessing our sins uh, directly to God, praying to the saints for them to intercede on our behalf. And so the 95 Theses, they uh, protested some of these things. And so really the protest there was to get back to the Bible and back to having faith in Jesus that salvation comes 
by grace, through faith, that we can't earn our way to heaven. And so, uh, Nick, I asked the question to our listeners here. Mm-hmm. Would, should Luther have protested these issues? Should he have protested about indulgences and the worship of idols and confession to a priest and so on? And then I ask another question to our listeners. Should we still protest mm-hmm. about these teachings? Absolutely. Or have, they, or, or have they now become okay? Yes, that's a very good uh, thought, uh, David. Uh, David, yes. well, as I said earlier, repentance is the hallmark of the Christian and of the church. Mm. We need an ongoing culture of repentance because we will always have things that we need to be sorry for and that we need to put right. Uh, they could be doctrinal. They could be to do with practice. They could be to do with the way we treat people. And the, the the tragedy of the of the remarks that have been read by Don is that the the Lord does want unity, of course. Mm-hmm. He, he prayed three times uh, in John's Gospel. It's recorded for us as he's going to to his death. He's praying that God's people would be one. But unity at any price is not a biblical Christian position. Uh, in fact, Jesus said, "I've not come." to bring peace but division. Mm-hmm. Now, he is the prince of peace. We understand that. And he's he's speaking in deliberately exaggerated terms to make the literary point. So we just need to be a little careful about how we handle his words. Of course, he longs for peace. He prayed for peace. But as a result of following him, there will be division. He said this. There'll, there'll be father against uh, against son and mother mm-hmm. against daughter and, uh, and on it goes. Um, and uh, that he has not come to bring peace but a sword. From now on, there will be division. Now, the Lord hates division, but when we recognize that Jesus calls himself the way, the truth, and the life, then because he is the truth, and if someone else has got views that are not the truth, then there's going to be a clash. There'll Mm -hmm, be a difference. mm -hmm. So the tragedy of what happened with with Martin Luther's protest is that his, his protestation was not sufficiently heeded. Mm. Uh, Luther Luther wanted the church to repent. He didn't want to cause any trouble. Yes. He wanted repentance. Absolutely and right. The church, and the church refused to repent. Yes. Don, I may come to you now. Uh, David was mentioning about uh, Jesus, you know, and what he said. Uh, um, can you remind us uh, all and, uh, um, you know, just I wanted to hear from you, uh, Don, uh, what Jesus said in regard yes. to this, uh, that we all should yes. be... One, uh, because, sure. you know, I mean, David just spoke about that, that, and yes. it's true what he, he was pointing out, but is Jesus willing that we all should be one? Yes, well, um, what David ha- has been saying is true, and I'd like to read it to you, actually. I think it is so important in this context. John chapter 17 and verses 20 and 21 And actually, Jesus here is praying for us. Mm -hmm. In this chapter, he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for us, which I think is very special. He says, I do not pray for these alone, that is, just for the disciples that were with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Mm. So that's Jesus' ideal. That's what he would like us to be. And uh, that's what we should be. 
We should be united together. But as David was rightly saying, we need to be united on the word of God. And in this same chapter, just a verse or two back earlier, it says in verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your yes. word is truth. And so John fourteen six, Jesus is the truth. John 17, verse 17, the word is the truth. And so uh, for the unity to be of any value, it needs to be based on Jesus and on his word. And uh, it's not a matter of saying, well, let's unite by you going silent on this and and we'll go silent on that and then we'll unite. Mm-hmm. No, we need to be united upon the word of God. And you know, Don, and uh, what, yeah, sorry to interrupt there uh, while you're just saying that. It's a big thing uh, now just... I mean, for a while, it's keep going about ecumenism, you know, uh, unity. Yeah. But at the same time, say, as you just said, you know, let's just unite, you know, under, but you can do, you know, your own thing. We can do our own thing, but let's unite. And I wonder what's the purpose of that, uh, uh unity? Be- yeah, because you well, pointed out very well here, I believe Jesus uh, expected us to unite in the truth. In his word, as he is with his father, we to be with him. Yes. And Jesus said in John 8 and verse 31, he said, um, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples Mm. indeed. And so it's important that we abide in the word and then we are united together as his disciples. Right. Uh, John, John 15 and verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Beautiful. Now, Nick, I would, I would just like to remind you and the listeners here that, that while Jesus uh, desired unity and... Uh, and prayed for unity, he all, the Bible also indicates, or, or more than indicates, prophesied there would be a falling away from the truth of God. In Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 and, and verse 3, he, he, he uh, prophesied of this, uh, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come and Lest the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed and so on. And so the Bible uh, clearly says there would be a falling away from the truth. Now, does that mean to be united that we all fall away together? Mm. No, no. And, uh, you know, I'm reminded of what it says there in Jude. We should earnestly contend for the faith once delivered unto the saints. And the prophecy also predicts, Second Timothy 3, verse 5, that the day would come where people would have a form of godliness, right. but deny its power. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so should we just be content with being united on a form of godliness? Mm-hmm. No, no. Mm-hmm. In Second in Timothy chapter 4, uh, uh, Paul says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine or sound teaching, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. 
Yes. So the Bible talks about a falling away and fables and all sorts of things coming in. Now, as David rightly reminded us a few moments ago, Luther never set out to start a new church. Mm-hmm. When Luther discovered those things there in the monastery Bible, he thought, if I can share these with my superiors, they will rejoice to know these things that I've discovered and they will change things. Uh, John Wesley, we spoke about him the other day. He never set out to to start the Methodist church, uh, but he was put out of the church, of the, of the established church of the day, and so... Those that agreed with him, they met together and so on. And and so um, we would all be believing the same thing if people were willing to follow the Bible. That's got it. Now, I just remind you that the Bible had only one teaching regarding how to be saved. You know, you don't read in the Bible where, where Jesus says, well, look, there's a few different ways you can be saved. Um, you mob over here, you can be saved by grace through faith. And uh, those of you here, well, if you don't like that, you can be saved by keeping the commandments and doing your own works. You can earn it. And you mob over here, if you go over to the city of Jerusalem and you walk around the top three times, well, then you'll be saved. The Bible doesn't teach that. There is only one teaching on the subject of how to be saved. And, of course, we know what that is, by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus. And that's true of every subject. And so, But we have to be willing to read the Bible and to be willing to follow what it says. So I would say, Nick, in answer to the big question you've been asking, Protestantism is still needed. Okay, and that to call us back to the Bible, not to the yeah. teachings of man. Because, you know, as you just said that, uh, Don, uh, all those traditions, people to do all sorts of things to uh, to look good, you know, before God. And they will do them because they become very popular. And they are uh, so much. I, I had a discussion, a uh, Bible study, actually, with a couple of uh, Catholic ladies, you know, just this week. And we stumble over a couple of things there in regard to those um, uh, penitences, you know, which people are doing today, still do it today, yeah. even though we have the um, our Lord Jesus Christ, the high priest in heaven, inviting us to go to him freely, uh, to go to him and to um, uh, put us uh, right with him. Now, just moving on here, uh, are there any similarities? between the religious culture of Luther's day and that which has developed uh, today. David. Yes, uh, we have some very strong similarities, unfortunately, because there are still millions and millions of people who think that they will be able to earn their way to heaven. They haven't really done anything wrong. Or if they've done some wrong things, that's fine. They can do some good things and Mm -hmm. make up for it that way. Mm Millions and millions of people seem to be conned by this, but the Bible's very clear. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in fact, I might want to protest my innocence Mm. about certain things. I might say to you, Nick, well, look, I've stolen things, but I've never murdered anyone. Mm. But the scriptures are clear that he who keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Yes. So I haven't got a leg to stand on. 
I am guilty of every offence that you could imagine mm. because I am in the box sinner and I yeah. need to be saved. I can't climb out of the box. I can't dig myself out of the grave. I need salvation from God. So thank God for sending Jesus because he can save the, the worst sinner uh, because right. we are all the worst sinner. Right. Don, uh, do you have anything to add on that, uh, some similarities uh, today and in yeah, the time well, of Luther? What David said was very good, and, uh, that's, a, uh, and that's an uh, extremely important point. Um, I'd mention another one here, and that is that uh, people in Luther's day generally were biblically illiterate. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly that was because the Bible was chained up in the monasteries or uh, they didn't have access to it, and then if they did get access to it, it was written in Latin, or which many of them didn't understand. Mm. Now, today... We have lots of Bibles. It's the best-selling book. Uh, but sadly, many people are still biblically illiterate. That's so true. And uh, I've come across many people who use the Bible like a good luck charm. You know, they mm-hmm. say, oh, I've got a Bible. Can I have a Bible? And they'll sleep with it under their pillow or something or other, particularly if they're facing some problem in their life. And... Um, I remember, Nick, uh, I met a man one time and he said to me, the Bible is wrong, he said. Mm. And uh, he said, uh, it talks about in the Bible about Moses carrying the Ten Commandments. And he said, the Ten Commandments were so heavy that a man wouldn't be able to carry them. He said, so the Bible is wrong, he said. And he was waxing really eloquent about this. And I said to him, where's the text in the Bible that talks about how heavy the Ten Commandments were, what the weight of them was? Oh, he said, I don't know, but the Bible is still wrong, he said. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, here he'd blown up the Bible, as it were, by by uh, an argument that didn't hold water. The Bible nowhere talks about the weight of the Ten Commandments. And so it's interesting what people will do in their biblical illiteracy. Mm. In Second in Timothy chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And so it goes on to say those who don't receive the love of the truth have no safeguard against error and end up believing lies. And so when we don't have the Bible and we don't read the Bible and we don't put it into practice, well, then um, we have no safeguard against error. Jesus made an interesting statement one day when some people were asking him some questions And his answer to them was in Matthew 22, verse 29, you are mistaken, or you err, as the King James says, or as the margin says, you've been deceived. You are mistaken, not knowing the Scriptures Mm. or the power of God. So Jesus said there were people in his day who were wrong because they didn't know the Scriptures. And I'm very interested, Nick, in the fact that Jesus 
gave quite a few warnings about being deceived. Matthew 24, verse 4, for example, Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Mm-hmm. You look down a bit further in the chapter, verse 24, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And so Jesus often warned about being deceived and we we stand in an easy place to be deceived if we don't know the Bible. That's and so back true. in Luther's day, they were biblically illiterate. In our day, uh, where many people are biblically illiterate, and um, it, it, if we don't know the Bible, we're more likely to think that um, everybody believes the same thing and so we, you know, it's easy to gloss over it and say, well, we really all agree. If you don't know really what the Bible says, you can think, well, if we believe in Jesus, we all agree. But when you know the Bible, we need to stand up for its teachings and call error by its right name. Contend earnestly for the faith once delivered unto the saints there in Jude verse 3. That's so true, uh, Don. And, you know, we need Moberians these days uh, to go and search the Bible to see whatever is preached there from the pulpit, if it's true, if it's from the Bible or it's any other interpretation. Because, you know, you can have a lot of uh, people today uh, saying those good general things, you know, which can bring us together, uh, but missing out of of some important things, and in particular, Don and David, uh, when we are talking about present truth, things which we need to share for today. Yes. Mm. The, the, the yeah. part of the problem today, Nick, of course, is that there are there are people out there who can do wonderful things. Mm. Uh, they could be miraculous things, apparently, mm-hmm. or just even sort of natural things like running wonderful programs and building beautiful buildings. Mm. There's nothing wrong with programs and buildings, but if it's not coming from the Lord, and if man is being elevated, watch out. There's yes. going to be a problem. That's right. Uh, and yeah. and so the, the the question is where where is Christ in the picture? Is is his name being being glorified is is his name being upheld are his teachings being taught mm. uh, and especially is he getting the glory uh, yeah. the other yeah. point the other point Jesus made about this is that there were even even Christians in in that day or followers apparent followers mm-hmm. of his who could do wonderful things and what did he say concerning them mm. I never knew you mm. those are devastating words Nick yes. so it's it's not how big the program is or how wonderful the building is or even what miraculous things some people apparently can do it's whether Christ knows someone that, that, that's what it is to be a Christian, to be to be known by Christ. So true, David. Very, very well said. Thank you for mentioning that. Um, hey, guys, we're taking a short break here. The time is going very fast, uh, but uh, I'm going to play a song uh, by uh, Janine Warwa, Tapestry, and we'll be back uh, with you. Please don't go anywhere. This is Faith FM Drive Time. This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. Do not fear 
dominion over you, my child. You've been chosen for a purpose. Won't you trust me? I'll see you through. This tapestry's not yet done. You're a work in progress. A masterpiece is being spun. You can't see what I see. Trust me, I am that I am. This world. Please remember, this world is not your home. Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward with me to give to all according to their words. Hold my hand, you will conquer this with me. You can do all things. Welcome back. This is Fate FM Drive Time BQ&A with Nick Rita and our uh, co-host today is Pastor uh, Don Fulberg from Western Australia. Pastor Don Fulberg was involved with Aboriginal ministry for um, almost all his life and it's good to have Don with uh, us and also David Alima from Family Voice Australia is in the studio with us uh, today. Just... Um, Right now, I like to mention that book again, you know, to our listener. We have a free offer today. It's called A Pale Horse Rides. And this uh, book talks about that uh, Reformation time during uh, Martin Luther. And uh, you'll enjoy this book, actually. Please uh, send us a text message with the code SA64. SA64. You can send that uh, text message to 04888. Eight zero eight double one, and this book is yours. And I'd like to thank you all of uh, those people who requested the book. Uh, Danny, you'll enjoy the book. Uh, Peter, um, beautiful name there, Pretorius. I like that. Um, and uh, also have 
few other names like uh, uh, Lisa and Leon and uh, Kathy. Um, but I, I came across this uh, little story which Chris sent us uh, through the message saying that he had a book in his hands uh, being on a traveling on the train. Um, a literature evangelist gave him this book and it was about Aboriginal people. And um, as he was in the train, he finished the book. He thought, what should I do with this uh, book? Should I leave it here on the train, on the bench, or should I put it back in my backpack and keep going? And as he was putting the book back in the uh, backpack, a lady across there just said, what's that book all about? She just asked. Interesting how God is, uh, you know, um, working with us in our inspiring us. And he was very happy to give the book. That happened to be an Aboriginal lady. And he was uh, thinking that, uh, hey, um, while she was reading, We'll read a little bit there about uh, how, how some Aboriginal people they gave up smoking or drinking and even go to a to a school to learn more about Mamarata school and you know about that uh, Pastor Don in Western yes. Australia you've been working with Mamarata uh, quite regularly there and yes, um, yes uh, this lady kept the book and uh, she she asked a few questions and this gentleman was uh, um, happy to share with uh, with her and they uh, they got off for the same <laughs> stop actually which was amazing i thought just to mention that thank you for sending that story uh, to us um, chris But, i think uh, nick yes. i think that little book would probably be our story god's stories it's a little compilation of stories that my wife along with uh, steve peeps put together on how Uh, people have uh, Aboriginal people around Australia have accepted Jesus and how it has changed their lives. There's wonderful little testimonies in that book. Oh, that could be. You see, that's very interesting, Don. Uh, thank you for uh, for sharing that. We need to I, share I with just people. I'll just, just say, Nick, if anybody listening would like a copy, if they could let you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, We, we would be very happy to let them have a copy. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Don and David, we have very little time now, but we just wanted, to, um, uh, if we could share a little bit more, we're talking about, uh, you know, um, reformation and is that still, uh, you know, needed uh, in our time. Um, now, um, Just fast forward uh, those 500 years, uh, um, do the major- majority of Christians still teach beliefs unknown to Christ and the apostles? Could that be uh, true to find that in the Protestant world? Well, unfortunately, Nick, the the whole world is turning its back on God. And so we're embracing philosophies and beliefs that are not anchored in Scripture. They don't come from the mind of God at all. And interestingly, there was a tremendous confusion about sexuality in the time of Martin Luther. Mm. And today, incredibly, we've got utter confusion about sexuality. We've taken yeah. we've taken God's gift of sexuality and we've utterly perverted it, uh, and so things are in fact worse than than what they were in the time of the Reformation. Because uh, at the time of the Reformation, things were bad, but nothing like this. And when I say they were bad, I'm saying that there was an anti-body theology mm. in the church, mm. an anti-marriage theology, and an anti-family theology. It's just beggar's belief because the, the Bible criticizes those who would forbid marriage. Yes. And yet that is exactly the teaching of the church at the time. Mm. And it's still continuing in many circles. In different forms. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that, David. It's, it's so true. Don, um, would you like to also comment on, on that aspect? 
I was just going to add to what David said that a lot of people today seem to be thinking about, or I should say they're not thinking about what God approves, they're simply thinking about what pleases them when mm. it comes to the subject of marriage. Um, another thing I'd like to mention is that uh, another, uh, you know, the question is, is Protestantism still needed? I, I believe most definitely it is. Mm. Uh, great subjects like the virgin birth are being questioned, the mm. resurrection, miracles. I remember there was a professor in one of the theological colleges in Sydney who said, Oh, you know, the story of Jesus walking on the water. I mean, that really didn't happen. There was a jetty underneath the water, and Jesus just walked out on the jetty, and it looked like he was walking on the water. Yes. Well, bless your soul, those disciples who were uh, familiar with the Sea of Galilee, they would have known if a jetty was in a certain spot and just covered up with the water, wouldn't they? I mean... <laughs> And Peter, so Peter will not cry out, you know, Lord, please save me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, and then predictive prophecy, that's been, uh, you know, they, they are some of the wonderful Bible prophecies that predict things in advance. There are even Christian people are saying, well, that was written after uh, it happened, you know, mm, it, just, mm. it, it looked like it was uh, written beforehand. So um, there's so many things where we still need to stand up for what the Bible says and we need to protest, as it were. Um, I remember here in Western Australia, uh, a young man from one of our churches, he went to a, uh, did a theological course in one of the theological colleges here in Perth and he was he said he couldn't believe it. He said, not one of my professors actually believed the Bible. Wow. And he said, it really, they were teaching the Bible, but he said they didn't really believe it. And he said, I thought, how could you spend your life teaching something that you don't believe really? You say it's just just a story, they're nice stories to learn, you know? Mm. And so uh, then we could talk about the subject of origins, the majority of churches now uh, teach uh, evolution or or theistic evolution, um, quite different than what the Bible says. Say, for example, in Exodus 20, verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. Mm. And that's repeated throughout Scripture, beginning, middle, end, it's, it's there. And Jesus taught creation there. So... We certainly need Protestantism. It is still needed. That voice to call us back to the Bible and back to Jesus is still needed. Revelation 3 verse 11, Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. That's beautiful, and uh, thank you for mentioning that beautiful passage in Revelation uh, chapter 3, because it's so true, uh, Don and uh, David, uh, today. We need to hold fast, you know, we need to, but we need to hold fast on the truth, you know, we need to discover the truth, not to go with the fables uh, and teachings of men. Uh, guys, uh, the time is up for today, but, you know, it was wonderful to to talk about uh, this, uh, Don and, and uh, David. I mean, we are going to talk a little bit more next week with Don. You'll be part of this. Um, 
but yeah, we're going to look about um, a few things like the Bible alone, you know, the famous saying, you know, uh, sola scriptura, um, faith alone. And also we are going to talk about the acceptance of prophetic word. All those things next week, my dear friend, don't miss it out. Um, yes, just before we closing with a short prayer, which I will ask David to um, uh, to lead us. Uh, Don, do you have anything to just uh, add or we'll just close with a prayer? Yeah, I think just uh, I've, I've said all that I want to say. Yes, thank you. Beautiful. Uh, David. Our Father, we give thanks for those who your Holy Spirit has raised up throughout history in order to safeguard the truth, to speak the truth, and to reveal Jesus who is the truth. We thank you so much for sending Jesus, for his Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth. And I do pray for each of the listeners that we will, all of us, know Jesus as the truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We want to receive him as Savior and Lord. We want to turn away from all of our sins. We want to glorify you, not ourselves. Help us, save us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And uh, please join us next time uh, because we are going to continue this series. Is Protestism uh, still needed in the third millennium? And we are going to ask the first question of the week is, has the church of the reformers fallen away? Until then, may God richly bless you. And stay closer to Jesus Christ and walk in his footsteps. Amen. Are you puzzled about where our world is heading? Are you searching for truth? Faith FM would like to invite you to Searching for Certainty, a free eight-part series at Melrose Park Seventh-day Adventist Church, 123 Edward Street, Melrose Park. Running every Friday and Saturday in August at 6pm on Fridays and 3pm on Saturdays, there will be free refreshments and you'll discover trustworthy answers to your big life questions. Remember, that's every Friday at 6pm and every Saturday at 3pm, right throughout August at Melrose Park Seventh-day Adventist Church. To reserve your place, contact Fabiano on 0415 030 590. That's 0415 030 590. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.